The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. You know, much has been said and much has been written about the famous last words of of well-known people, and it is significant, the last thing that somebody says. And in John 21, we're going to read some of the final things that Jesus told his disciples before he ascended back to heaven after having risen from the grave. Well, good afternoon. Alex McFarland here along with Bert Harper, and we are in John chapter 21. So honored that you're listening to today's edition of Exploring the Word. And uh, Bert, this has been a great study. Uh, you and I, no doubt, we've read through the Gospel of John many times, but as always, we get brand new nuggets and just precious, precious jewels of truth from God's Word, haven't we? Only God. You know, that's the whole idea. Uh, you know, b- but for God, only God. And when you read the Gospel of John, if if it does not make you fall in love with Jesus Christ more and more, uh, you're missing something. He, It is amazing the conversations he has, the miracles that he does. Alex uh, is, is so powerful. They draw you to him. And that's exactly what John was wanting. I, I'm going to go back to chapter uh, 20, the last two verses, before we start in chapter 21, about verse 18, and listen to what John wanted to accomplish. And I want those who are listening today, see if it accomplished that in your life. It says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but they these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Mm. This book is missional. It is evangelistic. That's its purpose. And I would would give him an A-plus, brother. Well, (laughs) amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, yesterday we we sort of uh, hit the pause button after, you know, uh, Jesus and his disciples had had a meal together, and Jesus told Peter, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. So, you know, the time is coming, Christ will ascend to heaven in the book of Acts, you know, we read about that, and you and I are still in the church age. Bert, um, I believe these, these directives— these assignments that the Lord gave to the disciples are still our assignments today. Feed the sheep, proclaim the gospel, and then, you know, he's going to say, follow me, follow me, you know, uh, till I come, follow me. These assignments are still for us today, aren't they? They really are. And again, Alex and I, we feel like God has called us, equipped us to do what we're doing. Now, we're we're privileged to be able to do this. We know others could do it, but God has given us this assignment at this time. And those of you that are listening, God has given you assignment at this time, and you want to fulfill that. And again, it's feeding my sheep. It's following him. It's obeying him. And so, Alex, what Jesus had done, he said, do you love me? He said, yes, I love you. Feed my sheep. Uh, the Three times uh, he had betrayed, he had denied Jesus three times. Uh, holy, 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 someone made that comment yesterday and about the pit that uh, R.C. Sproul said it's pit, pit, pit. And uh, those, I just couldn't get over that. So he he is being called out. But verse 18 kind of takes a little bit twist. So is it all right if I start reading with that one? Yes, please do. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. Talking about Peter. And when he yeah. had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Now, he is he's giving Peter some information about dying. And he said, uh, you know, you've had this freedom, but there's going to time when you're going to be girded and carried out. Uh, that you where you do not wish. Mm. I, I think a lot of the things that the apostles died with are are tradition, but these traditions are based upon some facts that we know, and and it's pretty sure that 
Peter did die in Rome, crucified upside down. That is pretty sure. So, but he was telling Peter, uh, you know, the, the time's going to come. It's going to get rough, but follow me. But the advantage he's going to have in a few days from then is the Holy Spirit's going to fall in power, and Peter's going to have power that is, he's always been a powerful personality. You know what I mean, Alex? But oh, yeah. he's going to have the Very power much. of the Holy Spirit in his life, isn't he? Well, amen. In Acts chapter 2, especially, you know, in verse 14 of Acts 2, he's going to lift up his voice and he's going to preach, and uh, it's it's amazing. But um, I, I think it's just really significant here. By the way, I don't mean to go backwards, but you remember in uh, verse 15, Jesus said, feed my lambs. Verse 16, feed my sheep. Verse 17, feed my sheep. Uh, lambs are baby sheep, and we Christians— uh, and again, I'm not trying to spiritualize too much, but very often um, you've got Christian friends that are mature, and it takes no effort whatsoever to interact and minister with them. And then you've got lambs that are maybe young in the faith, and uh, you know, raising babies sometimes can be labor-intensive. As a Christian, and as a witness for the Lord, or maybe as a, a leader, um, Jesus said, feed the lambs and the sheep. Um, and and I, don't you think that's the test of ministry sometimes, investing in the people that it really does take some effort to get them up on their, their legs? You know what I mean, Bert? You're right, Alex. And let me, I pastored, uh, still pastoring, and go right at going on 50 years of preaching. But let me tell you, it is a challenge for your pastor today, who you who are listening, that he preaches on that Sunday morning, brings a message that will get the lambs fed and the sheep fed. Only yeah. the Word of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can that happen. And and so that's what you desire is. So you want to pray for your pastor. Let our pastor be mindful of the lambs, though that need to, to you know, be with the very elements of the Word of God. But then, as Paul said, those that want to be on the meat of the Word. And yeah. so... What a task pastors have, and we take that serious here on Exploring the Word. We realize there's some people who are listening that's just been saved. Some of them have been saved while listening to this, and we yeah. want to feed them the Word of God. But we have people that's walked with a God a long time, pastors, Sunday school, small group leaders, uh, professors in colleges and seminaries yeah. that listen to us, and we want to feed them as well. That's only yeah. through sticking to the Word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Can that happen, Alex? Well, you know what? Last week uh, I was talk. I got a phone call from a, a a very very national Christian leader that you would know, Bert. And um, you know, I didn't know he even was aware exploring the Word was on. And he said that he listens almost every day. And I thought, oh wow, you know. But I want to tell you. Uh, we are thankful for each and every person that, that listens. We give God the glory. I want to pull out something out of verse 19. So Jesus says, you know, the day is going to come, you know, when you're old and, and someone has to lead you. You stretch forth your hands, another shall gird you, carry thee whither thou would not go. Okay. This Jesus spoke, signifying by what death he should glorify God. Now, isn't it something? Death is called the final enemy, and, you know, but for the believer, especially for the believer who has faithfully served Jesus and lived for Jesus, do you know we can actually even glorify God in our homegoing from this world? And um, do you know what? Let me say, death is not the worst thing that can happen to you. Now, none of us like bereavements and uh I've said goodbye to a lot of family members and loved ones, and as a minister, I've done my share of funerals, and I know you have too. But you know something? This is the victory of being a believer, the victory. The thing that the world would say is the worst possible um, enemy, death, for the Christian, it's a victory, because to leave this world that's fallen means instantly we're in the world that's redeemed the presence of our Savior. And like for Peter, it can be for us that it will glorify God. Amen, Alex. Great word. Have you heard this? And the first time I saw it, I thought, look at it. The guy said, 
it's not death that alarms me. It is dying. Now, for the Christian, death, as you said, it is being transported from time into eternity with Christ. But the process of dying can be painful. The process of dying, it, I know great Christians with, with dementia, and it, it was so hard yeah. for them. Cancer, the ongoing battle, you know? So Alex, dying can be painful, but still, he's with us. And let me say this. I've been, as you said, I've been pastoring for a long time, done a lot of funerals, been at the bedside of many saints that have gone on. And, and I just want to tell you, many of those that I were talking with, death was a welcomed relief because mm. the pain of here upon earth and do it where God was, but it was still painful. They were ready for that opportunity to be in the presence of the Lord. So it is glorious for the believer, Alex. Well, verse 19 concludes, when Jesus had spoken this, he said to Peter, follow me. And then uh, it goes on, and uh, Jesus says, um, follow me. Again, uh, he turns to John uh, and says, um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're talking, and Jesus says, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to you? Follow me. Uh, these admonitions of feeding the sheep following Jesus. These these are our assignments till we see the Lord face to face, isn't it? It is, and it's for ours, and we're to be concerned with our service to the Lord. Uh, John was there. Peter said, "What? how's he going to die? It doesn't matter. Uh, you serve me. Follow me. And then this saying went out among the brethren that was wrong, that this disciple would not die, yet Jesus did not say to him he would not die. If you, right, if right. I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? In other words, he said, what I have for John is his story. What I have for you is your story. Amen. Uh, is that kind of a gentle way of the Lord telling each one of us to mind our business? <laughs> I believe it is, Alex. I, I You know, Peter, uh, here he is on the mountaintop the next time he puts his uh, foot in his mouth, as they say. But the rest of it, verses 24 and 25, this right. is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things, and we know that the, his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that it would be written in. Alex, mm. that's it. Hey, we're going to take phone calls. Give us a call early, 888 This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Greg Abbott, governor of Texas. He's the state's 48th governor and a former state attorney general and former member of the Texas Supreme Court. Deuteronomy 113 reminds us of the importance of strong leadership. Choose wise and discerning and experienced men from your tribes, and I will appoint them as your heads. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Governor Greg Abbott as he leads the state of Texas. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. The Easter story talks about Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. Dr. Tony Evans says that what happened between those events is critically important. That'll be our focus today as we spend two minutes with Tony. Between Friday and Sunday, all kind of activity was taking place. Because God did not only have to forgive our sins, he had to get Satan off our backs. He visited Hades. Ephesians 4 verse 8 says that Jesus Christ led captive a host of captives. He went down and he said, look, time to go, boys. <laughs> Y'all been in this nice place. It's, it's paradise. It's Abraham's bosom. But it's nothing like what I'm getting ready to take you to. It's time to go. I have paid the full price. He then went over to the abyss where many of Satan's cronies were incarcerated. And it says, and he proclaimed victory. What Satan didn't count on 
was that the death of Christ would satisfy the justice of God in such a way that God could keep his love without compromising his holiness. Or to put it another way, Satan was aced by grace. He didn't count on that one. Satan knew about the love of God. Satan knew about the wrath of God. But he hadn't heard a word about the grace of God. And that is God taking the penalty from man so that he could still love sinners, pay for sin, satisfy his wrath, and express his love without compromising his nature. He could do all of that in Christ. Learn more about the victory Christ can give you. Get a copy of Dr. Evans' book, Warfare, Winning the Spiritual Battle, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. You know, closing out the Gospel of John, I'm going to read verse 25 one more time, John 21, 25, and then we're going to go to calls, folks, and the number is 888-589-8840. We are starting calls a little bit early today, so we'll have twice as many, but the Gospel of John, which Bert and I have been in for a number of weeks, but it closes out, and it says, there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. Bert, um, I remember reading that uh, when I was young, and I just, that so gripped my mind, all the things that Jesus did. And uh, there's an old gospel song that says, not the half has been told. And you think about this, the the works of Jesus, uh, the love of God, the glories of heaven that you will see one day, uh, dear believer, um, we don't have vocabulary enough to adequately describe it, do we? We do not. And Paul was caught up into the third heaven, and he said basically it was indescribable. It was so beautiful. Now, what John did when he had the revelation and he saw those things, he did his best. There, But I would say they're unimaginable, you know? And uh, mm-hmm. that's good. That's what's waiting on us after, because we've been talking about Peter's death and what was waiting on him, glory. But while we're here, uh, let me tell you, God is doing great things, and I want—I am convinced we will not know the full story until we get to heaven. And all of a sudden, those dots of issues and uh, comments and meetings that we had with people, uh, God's going to connect those dots, and it will be glorious. So, yes, listen. Uh, Jesus, he did it all. He paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washes it white as snow. Alex, that's good news, brother. Well, it surely is, and we're so glad for the uh, people calling in, 888-589-8840, if you've got a Bible question. Uh, We would love to speak with you today. First of all, we're going to go to Arkansas. Mildred from Arkansas, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, I listen to you guys a lot. I love your show. Well, thank you, Mildred. Oh, thank you so much. It it really means a lot to us. My son is married with three kids, and his wife is divorcing him. His heart is broken. So I I would appreciate if you'd have everybody praying for that marriage. We'll do it, Mildred. Mm -hmm. Listen. Uh, let me say a word. Those of you who are listening that are contemplating divorce, rethink it. I understand abuse, getting out of that, but give God time to do some stuff. Uh, I, I'm having to, I have to work with people that's gone through divorce and everything. Alex, uh, God loves the persons and the people, but divorce does so much harm. And uh, so we want to really do that, does. Mildred. We want to pray for for your 
Is it your son or grandson, Just uh, It's my grandson. Your grandson. His name is Justin, right? No, Dustin. Dustin. So write yes. what we do here, everybody that's listening, write Dustin down, and we're going to pray for him, aren't we, Alex? We are. If you don't mind me asking, uh, what are the ages of the kids, Mildred? Well, the youngest one is five and seven, and the oldest one is, I don't know, nine, ten. Yeah, sure. Well, and we, we definitely. Kids. And he loves his wife. I'm so sorry. And, you know, um, Bert, um, not to put a guilt trip on anybody, but um, <laughs> maybe a little bit, uh, one of the key things about the state of our world right now has been the breakdown of the family. And look, uh, I know marriage is not easy, uh, but it's you, you've got to work. It's a commitment, and uh, the Lord will help you in that. And Bert, um, and again, I'm not trying to put an undue guilt on anybody, but the Bible says God hates divorce. Yeah. Uh, Bert, why is the Lord so? Why, why does the Word of God try to impress on us the importance of family? Why do you think God made it a point? to try to impress that we honor our marriage vows. Well, he is the creator, and when he created man, he said to Adam, it's not good for man to be alone. So from his side, he did take that rib and fashion, and the, the that is the beautiful Hebrew word, he fashioned woman to be fitted with him. And from that came children. You need that male figure. Matter of fact, on Dr. Dobson's family talk these last two days, his guest, he and he, he and Dr. Dobson's been talking about the the damage that is done because of our society and divorce becoming commonplace. Now, again, I understand in some cases, I understand the issues, but I am sharing with you, it does hurt and it does harm, and uh, mm-hmm. so God. God desires that. So we're going to be praying for Dustin. Alex, would you lead us in prayer for Dustin and those three children? And yes. we're, we're going to just ask God to change that wife's name, not mind on this, Alex. Amen. You'll hear. Heavenly Father, we thank you that, uh, as, as the Bible says, with God, nothing shall be impossible. Lord, you resurrected the dead. You can resurrect a relationship. You can rescue a marriage. And I just pray for Dustin right now. Please, Holy Spirit of God, lay it on that couple to to do whatever it takes to save their marriage. Because uh, the vast, vast, vast majority of people, uh, some years down the road, they wish they could go back and undo it. And so uh, I know these precious children as well. One of the most significant things in their young life will be the breakup of mom and dad. So, Lord, not only uh, this marriage that Mildred has made us aware of, but all the homes, please restore the American family. Lord, we need it so desperately. We need revival in the church. We need a rebuilding of the family. And may each one of us be committed to that. Lord, for your glory and with your help, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We're going to go to Texas. Chance in Texas, thanks for holding, and you are on Exploring the Word. Yes, sir. Uh, I was calling to see if I could get some uh, advice on a a, a scripture comparison, if I may. Sure. Uh, In Hebrews uh, 9, 27 and 8, it mentions uh, it is appointed on the every man to die once, or every person to die once, if you will. And when we hear about the rapture, we hear that the believer, the believers, when Christ comes, will be called up to him alive. And I was just want to get your thoughts on comparing those things. Okay. Uh, you need to read that in Hebrews, but we also need to read 1 Corinthians, where it says, <clears throat> the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then those of us who remain will be caught up with the Lord in the air to be with the Lord forevermore. And so, Alex, that is the only exception to that, is those believers that are caught up as they're alive at the rapture, according to what Paul said, isn't it? Well, it is. And uh, by the way, this is a fascinating word in Hebrews 9.27. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Uh, But do you know what? The word there really 
um, in the Greek is the word from which we get a very interesting word, apotheosis. Now, if you go to the Capitol, and Bert, you and I were up there some years ago with David Barton, and um, at the top of the ceiling of the rotunda there in the U.S. Capitol, there's a painting on the ceiling, and it's 200 feet above the floor. It's hard to even... It's kind of, if you look up to it, you get dizzy, but it's called the Apotheosis of George Washington, and it's him going into heaven and being glorified. And so the word there, even though in English it's the word, you know, die, D-I-E, but in the Greek word it can mean one of two things. It can mean physical death, or it can mean glorification. Now, the believer leaves this world and gets a glorified body. The unbeliever leaves this world and is judged and is separated from God. So um, there's really the Hebrews 9.27 and the 1 Corinthians 15 and the 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. There's no conflict. Uh, Some are going to die and get glorified. Some are going to die and be lost. Some are going to be here when that trumpet sounds and instantaneously get glorified. Amen. Thank you so much, Chance. Hope that helps you, brother. Where to now, Alex? Uh, Missy in Arkansas. Missy, thanks for holding. And you are on the American Family Radio Network. Welcome. Uh, Thank you for taking my call. And thank you for praying for Dustin and his marriage and for including all the families that are in a spiritual battle. Uh, I just appreciate that. So thank you. Um, My question is, my question is, like in the Psalms, when David, when we're reading what David's writing and praying, sometimes the word Lord is in all capitals, and other times just the L is capitalized. And I was just calling to, to learn the difference between the two. Okay, great question. Great observation. Alex, I remember doing that as a young guy, and I went to Blue Mountain College, and I never had a pastor that said anything about it till I got into an Old Testament class, and they began to tell us those are two different words, aren't they? That's right. Uh, Whenever it's in all caps, it's the Hebrew word for uh, Almighty God, uh, Yahweh, uh, or Adonai, I mean, the sovereign Lord of all. I mean, that's like in the strongest possible terms, they're emphasizing God Almighty. Okay. Now, um, like if Abraham... You know, there's a time or two where Abraham is called Lord, L-O-R-D, not as in God or deity, but as in a leader. But if it's all caps, it's the the name for Almighty God, isn't it? It is. And again, I, I've heard this, and I don't know if it fully explains it or not. When you see all caps, you're looking at, at the base, what they was talking about, Trinity, the Almighty. That's That's them together, all-powerful, almighty. When you see the capital L-O-R-D, like the Lord Jesus Christ is the one entity. In the the Greek, it's Adonai, Lord. And so there is a difference there, Missy, and uh, the the writers were so careful in using those, and when they translated that in the uh, King James Version and other English versions, they did not always carry over the the Hebrew and the Greek, so you could understand that there was difference. But they tried to make it that way through the all capitals and then the capital L, and and I, that's the best explanation I know of, Missy. It's like all caps is, uh, as uh, I've heard people say, talking with your outdoor voice. <laughs> but uh, we're going to go to Jack in Texas. Jack, welcome. Hi, thank you. Uh, first time for me to call AFR, and uh, thank you for your program. Um, I, I had an observation, not necessarily a question, but uh, reading in John, since you talked about John, in uh, chapter 17, uh, for me it was uh, very uh, much of a revelation for me uh, when Christ was talking to his friends that he handpicked, and over time, this is right before he went to the cross, right? So he's uh, telling them who he is again and how he's in the Father and the Father's in him. When you've seen him, you've seen the Father, and, and setting that up and, and thanking openly, lifting his head, lifting his eyes to heavenward, he prayed this prayer, very intimate prayer, that his 
friends who were around hearing him pray. And basically, uh, it was at the point where his disciples finally said, we now believe that you are who you say you are. And so there was kind of a climactic reading. And I was listening to it on an audio tape, and I was just very touched because he said um, he talked about relationship. And he talked about how he's kept his friends safe this whole time, and they are in him, and he's in the Father. But then he came to this one point, and it was around uh, verse 20, This, and this is the point of my call. It says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And I suddenly realized, I knew in my head that, but I suddenly realized I could see myself in that group. Why he's saying this isn't just for them, it's for us that we are in that relationship with him through the message he gave them. It's still living, and it's still a reality for me. And it just kind of did something for me. I had to go back and listen to it a couple (laughs) of times, because for me it was a game-changer in how I saw myself. Amen, you know? Jack. Amen. Wonderful. I, I agree with you. When you come to John 17 and you look at it and you see those praise, he prays for his disciple, then he prays for himself. This is the way it's divided up into chapter 17. Jesus prays for himself, verses 1 through 5. Jesus prays for those disciples all the way from there to 19. And then 20 through 26, he prays for all believers of all times. So, Jack, praise God. We're in that group. Amen, Alex. Amen. Wonderful. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your call. Uh, George in Texas. George, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, how y'all doing today? Good. How are things in Texas? Oh, it's nice. Beautiful day. Windy. Sunny. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Gorgeous, gorgeous. All right. What you so, got? Uh, yeah, I just want to say God bless you. God bless your ministry here on AFR. Uh, first time caller, but uh, I do appreciate what you do for God's children, God's people. So uh, you're a blessing. You're a blessing to me, and I know many others. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Amen. Okay. Yeah, I just want to know, you guys mentioned third heaven, and uh, I don't really understand that. I know there's heaven, earth, I know there's hell. Bert. Yeah. Hey, forgive me, we've got a break. Bert, when we come back, let's talk about what is the third heaven, and we'll get to more questions, too. Triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. This is Thursday Thunder. Uh, <laughs> tomorrow's going to be Fire Away Friday. That's but right. Amen. Call us with your Bible questions, and after this, we'll talk about what is the third heaven. Forget about Facebook. The last 10 days we've been banned twice, and is unbanning a word. They put us under the ban. Christians and conservatives don't need your YouTube. Banned one day, banned again. AFR programs are now live streaming on the AFA streaming app. Now you can get shows like today's issues straight from the source. Put back on the next. Just say unbanned. Unbanned. Just search AFA streaming or visit streaming.afa.net to sign up. Hannah's Heart, a half-hour program specifically designed to encourage Christian couples walking through infertility and miscarriage. This is not a show that's going to promise you a certain outcome, mm-hmm. but this is a show that says however God answers your cry, we know that He's enough. Hannah's Heart with Ann Cockrell and Kendra White each Saturday afternoon at 5 Central on American Family Radio. You can find the podcast at AFR.net. In a world where no one can tell us no. To this day, every human being born on this planet is the product of a male and a female. That's the way God set it up. God created us in His image. A place where Facebook and YouTube have no control. I think the command in Scripture relative to men and women is not mainly women sit down, but men stand up, act like men, lead as you're supposed to. A place where we can no longer be canceled. When the scripture speaks, God speaks. And if you understand that rightly, then everything else simply falls into place. The American Family Association presents the AFA streaming platform, 
Just visit streaming.afa.net for the latest films, documentaries, and AFA original productions. You'll even find videos from some of your favorite talk shows. All you have to do is create a free account at streaming.afa.net. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. The book of Proverbs is one that flows with abundant insight for wisdom. It shows that one of the most prominent qualities of wise people is that they welcome and even celebrate life-giving correction. In today's world, overrun by cultural Marxism, there is much discussion as to what segments of our society hate themselves. Well, Proverbs gives the answer. He who rejects life-giving correction despises himself. The truest demonstration of self-hatred is revealed by knuckleheads who refuse to humble themselves and embrace life-giving correction. Loving rebuke saves lives. Correction displays love. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.13 American Family Radio There's nothing to fear now For I am safe with you Amen. I hope your fear has faded away in Christ because he fights our battles. That's what that song talks about. We've got a warrior, a warrior Jesus. I know as a shepherd, uh, I, I know he, he is meek and mild, but he is a warrior for us. And so we praise God for that. Well, Alex, we were talking with George, and he was asking about the third heaven. And, uh, you know, there is an explanation for that, isn't there? Well, there is. You know, Paul said that he was caught up to the third heaven uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and, you know, apparently it was just so uh, spectacular. He didn't really know if he was still in his body or somehow in a glorified body or in the spirit, but the third heaven—all right, the Bible uses the word heaven in a couple of senses. There's the sky, you know, the birds in the heavens. And then there's, you know, the solar system and the planets, uh, the stars in the heaven. But, Bert, as I read the New Testament, the, I understand the third heaven is the, the very abode of God, isn't exactly. it? It is. It's the abode of God. It's the throne of God. And this is where uh, Paul was caught up into. And it mm-hmm. was honestly, I could say probably, um, you know, Isaiah chapter 6 he saw the Lord high and lifted up, you know. Uh, at least he had a vision of it, Alex, as, as G- God was on his throne and the seraphim were flying around singing holy, holy, holy. And uh, it is a real place. Let me share that with yes, you. It's not, it's not a figment of Paul's imagination. It is a real place, and it is a place for real people. Now, these real people are going to change and have a glorified body but it's going to be a place that we are able to be with him. Amen. Well, uh, perhaps in a similar vein, I'm going to go to Greg in Texas, uh, perhaps a related question. Greg, welcome. Hey, guys. Uh, Pastor Burton, Dr. Alex, I uh, appreciate your ministry. I listen to you guys for years every single day. Uh, first time calling in. Uh, yeah, well, very similar you. question. So, um where did Elijah go? Okay. <laughs> so I know that, you know, he was caught up. So, but Jesus, you know, went to paradise and brought all the saints back to heaven. And it says that it, you know, enlarged. So my assumption is no one was in heaven until that occurred. So did Elijah go to paradise? Okay. Great question, Greg. Let's let's put some context to this for those that may not know. Remember, we're talking about lambs and sheep, and we have them in the uh, listening audience. Though, who is Elijah? Well, there's two men that's in the Old Testament that did not see death. Enoch mm-hmm. walked with God, and we find him in the book of Genesis. And Elijah here uh, in Second uh, Kings, when he is taken up in a whirlwind as a chariot came down and separated him from Elijah 
Elisha, then he was caught up. Now, Alex, uh, he was, that's the key word, and I think that's what Greg is looking at, caught up. Did, not down, yeah. but up, right? Yeah, um, I I think he, he got to be in that third heaven, the abode of God. And, you know, Bert, this is probably a, not at all a, a good illustration, but I was thinking about, oh, I don't know, a decade ago, I was in Cincinnati, and there was a homeschool conference, and uh, two speakers there. One was Mike Huckabee, and the other was Ben Carson. And both of these men were really, really in the news in a wonderful way. Um, for lack of a better word, they were pretty famous, right? And so I got there, and uh, we were in the auditorium, and there was 5,000 empty chairs, and out on the street were... Um, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people waiting to get in. And so um, the organizer of this particular conference where I spoke said, uh, well, get ready, because in a moment when we open those doors, uh, in a matter of moments, there'll be 5,000 people in here to hear these speakers. But I was in the room, and it was just quiet, and I thought, I feel so privileged, because just moments from now, this is going to be really full and uh, the speakers will come out, Ben Carson, Mike Huckabee. Anyway, here's the thing. I think Enoch and Elijah, they got to heaven before. I know, you know, prior to the resurrection, uh, in paradise, in Abraham's bosom, were the believing saints of old. And when Jesus went into the realm of the dead, he led captivity captive, and the saints of old got taken to heaven. And we, the, the scripture is not clear, but I think Enoch and Elijah were there waiting to meet him. Okay, it uh, that is one of the things, uh, Greg. I would say that is what we think. Uh, there's several things like that in the Bible. To get complete clarity, one of these days, uh, we will. But we yeah. know he went to the abode of God, Alex. You know, because yeah. that's where he was yeah. caught up. And the neat thing about Enoch, they looked for him, but Enoch was not. I love that passage. He was huh. not. He wasn't there, was he? <laughs> he for God took him. Yeah, God but took good him. question. Amen. Scott in Kansas. Scott, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hello. Um, yes, you're on. Calling actually in response, I'm calling actually in response to Mildred's call earlier, uh, who had a grandson who's going through a divorce, and... Uh, back in 2018, uh, my wife and I were separated, and she actually sent me divorce papers to sign in an email. And I got down on my knees and prayed, and I brought those passages to mind that God does hate divorce, but if we pray according to His will, He will hear our prayers. And within a day or maybe two days, uh, my wife sent me another email that said, don't process the paperwork. There was a clerical error. And uh, she called me a, a couple of times, responded, tried to try to submit them again, but it wasn't, uh, it's not God's will. And that is probably the clearest evidence ever in my life of God's obvious answer to prayer. Scott, thank you for that testimony. Alex, uh, as long mm. as I've been around, I've heard stories similar to that to Scott's uh don't just give in at the first first sign uh you know this idea of no fault divorce and I understood why it came about because of the finances and all the things but the damage it has done to make it easier with you know we just don't get along you know uh again Again, we're not trying to put a guilt trip on people. Don't hear us saying that. I'm not. But I am telling you, fight for the marriage that you're in. The marriage that you're in right now is the marriage that God desires to work. And uh, it's a matter of prayer. Get others to stand with you in prayer. And Scott stood on the Word of God, and we saw God. We hear Scott telling us what great mm. things God has done. And so we're praying for Dustin and his wife and praying, oh, God, do a miracle. Bring it about. These three children, I guarantee you, if those two people get right with God, those three children would be in a great and a better place, wouldn't they, Alex? Mm, they would. Scott, thank you for that sentiment. That's a great call. Uh, folks, the number is 888-589-8840. If you've got a question for us on today's edition of Exploring the Word, Emily. 
Emily in Texas. Welcome to the program. Hi. Um, my question is, what was Jesus's effect on individuals, um, or Jesus' death and resurrection on individuals who had passed before Jesus has come? Okay. You understand the mm-hmm. question, Alex? I think so. Okay, and man. let me begin begin by uh, reading just a tiny little bit of Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, and you and I, Bert, we've talked through the book of Hebrews, but folks, you may recall Hebrews 11 has sometimes been called the Faith Hall of Fame because it lists all these people, Abel and Enoch and Noah that we've mentioned and Abraham and Moses. And it goes on. Now think about the people like uh, Emily says prior to Christ's resurrection. Because, see, we know the tomb is empty. We know Jesus rose, and that's just a great encouragement and incentive. But in Hebrews 11, uh, 39 and 40, it says, These all, the Old Testament saints, having obtained a good report through faith, receive not the promise, God having provided some better thing for us. Okay, Bert, I read about all these people, Gideon, Barak, Samson, David, they didn't know all that you and I know about the resurrection, and yet they, they lived and died faithful to the Lord. Now, as we alluded to, when Christ rose, he took them from the paradise realm of the dead to the presence of God. But prior to the resurrection, they were in a, a place of bliss and glory and joy. But as I understand it, Bert, until the resurrection of Christ, the believing saints of old were not in the third heaven just yet, were they? I agree with you. that When you read Ephesians and the other passages, uh, Luke Psalm chapter 68. 16, yeah, Luke 16, uh, even Jesus on the cross telling the thief, you'll be with me in a place called paradise. Alex, I think your, your description is accurate. And Emily, uh, thank you for calling. Appreciate it. A good call. Cody in Mississippi. Cody, thanks for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Yes, I pastor a church in Boonville, Mississippi, and I I preached a sermon Sunday on Acts chapter 1, and one of the church members had a question, and I didn't know the answer. It is about the two white-robed men, you know, that came back to the apostles and asked them why they were still standing and staring into heaven when Jesus was ascended. And they asked, who were those two white-robed men? Because everywhere else in the Bible, it talks about the angels appeared to them. And this is Acts 1, verse 10. By the way, Cody, uh, may the Lord bless you in pastoring. I commend you for serving the Lord as, as you do. Bert, uh, Acts one ten. while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as Jesus went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, and said, "Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into the heaven?" So, Bert, um, do do we definitively know who those two angels were? We do not know who they were. We know again what what they did. Angels are messengers of God, and they always come with a message. We know about Gabriel. Uh, we we do know about Michael. We get their names, and then Lucifer was one at one time before he fell. But these are, it's, they accompany him, and they're bringing the message. I believe they are angelic figures. They're described as men, uh, Alex, it, uh, uh, again, and Cody. But it does not say. Here it says men. And over in the Old Testament, you'll find angels appearing, and they appeared as men. And does that mean they're, you know, Jesus said there's not given marriage in in heaven we're not talking about that but they do appear same in a masculine uh form for as the men as messengers of god alex Mm -hmm. well and you know remember back at the tomb we read about the resurrection like you say and two angels were there and whenever you read in white apparel you know this is this too is one of the key words okay these these are supernatural beings but, uh, Bert, uh, the, the key essence of that word angel is messenger, isn't it? It is. It is. Matter of fact, when you read the book of Revelation, it talks about each one of the churches having an angel. 
uh, it may be the messenger. Some people, they say that may even be the, the pastor because we as pastors, I don't t- tell I'm not an angel. Don't get that. But we need to be messengers of God for sure of God's word. And uh, so these seem like angelic men, figures that were sharing this. Don't this same Jesus, which is taken away from you, will come in like manner. The first promise that was given after Jesus' ascension or in his ascension was he's coming back and we need to be ready. Well, amen. And so um, we are, as we read at the end of John 21, to occupy till he comes. And uh, we probably have time for one more question if somebody wants to call in, 888-589-8840. Bert, um, I wanted to say this. I had the privilege earlier of being on today's issues, and Tim allowed me to mention a couple of things. Now listen to this, folks. Um, Bert and I are going to be in Paris, Tennessee, uh, April 21 through 23, uh, along with Abe Hamilton, Will and Mickey Addison. It's a Truth for New Generation conference. And here's the theme. Listen to this, folks. Truth matters. And it does, for sure. Truth matters. Confronting the issues that will shape our future. And Bert, obviously the most important thing of all is the gospel. But we're living in a time of wokeness and cancel culture and, and frankly, viewpoint discrimination against people that believe in morals and truth. So at the Truth for a New Generation conference in April, it's for all ages, and I've also got coming one of the best youth speakers in the nation, a dear friend named Carl Kirby of Reasons for Hope, hands down the best creation versus evolution speaker that we could possibly put in front of the young people. Uh, There's going to be great music. So if you go to my website, which is alexmcfarland.com, Bert and I want to see you, along with Abe Hamilton, the Addisons, and so much more. Also, Adrian Rogers Ministries, oh my goodness, I almost forgot, Love Worth Finding Ministries is going to be there uh, Kerry Lewis, who's the leader and that great ministry, he's going to talk about the legacy of Dr. Rogers, and there'll be some very special video we're going to show a lot. But it's Truth for a New Generation, spring of 23, April 21 through 23rd. Make plans to join us in Paris, Tennessee, as we talk about revival in our nation. We're looking forward to it. Where Paris is, we ought to have some people from Kentucky, Missouri, Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama. Man, we ought to have a gathering of the saints there in Paris, uh, and we will share the truth because truth matters. Alex, Mm -hmm. it's been good to be with you. Tomorrow we're going to do Fire Away Friday, and we're going to take even more phone calls. I'm anxiously looking forward to it. It's always fun. And remember to pray for Dustin. Put that on your prayer list. Pray for he and his wife that the marriage would be reconciled. Alex, it's been good to be with you. We're glad to be with everyone who has tuned in today. And listen, tell someone about this program, but more importantly, tell them about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.